If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Senator, it's always nice to be sitting with you in studio. And for people that are listening audio only, you can watch this episode on YouTube as well. Uh, Let's start with this idea. And I think it's time to have a real discussion about it. The possibility that Joe Biden may actually not be the nominee for the Democratic Party. They seem to be turning on him. Your initial reaction to this. Well, I think the odds that Joe Biden is not the Democrats' nominee in 2024 have risen significantly, maybe by as much as 20 or 30 percent. And I think there are all sorts of indicia that suggest that. Democrats are getting nervous. They're getting nervous about his age. They're looking at polling numbers that show two-thirds of Americans think he's too old to be president. Uh, they're getting nervous about all of the evidence of Biden corruption. You've got Hunter being indicted. You've got all the connections to Joe. And then what we've seen in, in recent weeks is, is the media is turning on them. And remember, the, the role of the media, sadly, they're no longer journalists. They no longer report news. They are the left wing of the Democrat Party. And when the media turns on the presumed Democrat nominee, I think that is the cutting edge of the Democrat intelligentsia saying we may have to cut bait and, and find someone new. So, for example, David Ignatius. Yeah columnist in the Washington Post. Say that again, in the Washington Post, saying this. This is something that doesn't happen. Well, he he wrote, tell us what he wrote, Ben. He wrote something interesting, and basically it was saying, it's time to get rid of Joe Biden, or maybe Kamala Harris, or maybe both. And one of the things he talked about in here, he said he was concerned about Harris, that even by, with Biden, because he says that, well, one way that Biden could help himself is by encouraging, quote, a more open vice presidential selection process that could produce a stronger running mate. So he's even saying, hey, Joe Biden, you're in deep trouble. Democrats need to pay attention to this. But if you're not going to stop, if you're not going to say I'm not going to run, you might want to look at replacing your vice presidential candidate because maybe that would at least make you go, all right, well, we like you a little bit more because we know we're going to replace you with someone that we like because her poll numbers are worse than Joe Biden's. Well, well, they are. And, and the fact that the Washington Post is, is throwing that marker out there, and let's come back to that because I want to talk about the likelihood of Joe not being the nominee. I want to talk about the likelihood of Kamala not being the vice presidential nominee. But first, the fact that the Washington Post puts that out there in a very prominent column. It's like the starter's pistol. And, and the media, they all listen to the same things. And, and so when you have the Washington Post start saying that, when you have uh, the New York Times start saying that, you start having others. So for example, here's CNN this past week. Give a listen. He has done, I don't know if it's similar things, but he's sort of told some stories that don't line up 
quite like this before. Yeah, this president has a, a pattern at this point of either inventing or embellishing stories about his own past, his biography. He did it three times in one speech last month alone. Uh, he claimed he had witnessed a bridge collapse in Pittsburgh when he actually showed up about six hours later. He claimed that his grandfather had died just days before he was born himself at the same hospital. In fact, his grandpa died more than a year before in a different state, not, not the same hospital. Um, and, uh, and he also repeated a favorite false story that I and others have debunked over and over again about a supposed conversation with an Amtrak train conductor he was friends with who was actually deceased at the time the conversation would have had to take place. And that's not all. There are some more serious ones in, in my view. Uh, previously in his presidency, he claimed at one point he'd been arrested during a civil rights protest when in other versions of the story he just said an officer had taken him home uh, from a protest. He said he had visited the, the Pittsburgh synagogue where worshippers were killed in a 2018 mass shooting. In fact, he had actually spoken to the rabbi, uh, but never, but never went. Um, and he, he's made a whole bunch of others too. Uh, he said at one point, Republicans like to bring this up. He said that he used to drive a tractor trailer. He used to drive an 18 wheeler. Never happened. The White House later clarified he used to drive a school bus at one point for as a as a job briefly. School bus, of course, not an 18 wheeler. So whatever his intentions, whether it's you know foggy memory about stuff that's going on decades ago or deliberate embellishment, this is an unfortunate pattern that keeps coming up again and again with Joe Biden. You go back to the starter gun analogy that you used a moment ago, Senator. It's like everyone was holding back. Then all of a sudden the op-ed comes out in the Washington Post and it's like, oh, we can now say this. We can now do this. Well, and I got to say that clip on CNN I think is funny on like 19 different levels. Um, <laughs> number one, the, the most important thing is they're finally reporting on the fact that Joe Biden is a pathological serial liar. He has been his entire career. He says things that are false. He says things that are false again. He does it over and over and over and over again. The reporters all know that. Yeah. It's just CNN didn't used to talk about it. They didn't used to be willing to say it because, hey, their job is to protect the Democrat president, not actually to report on what he says and does, even though it's a lie. That's point number one on that. Point number two, the examples they use are deliberately minor examples. They're deliberately... Not that consequential. They didn't include the lie that Joe Biden just did last week where he said he was at ground zero the day after 9-11 and he saw it right there. That's a flat-out lie. No, he wasn't. He was on the floor of the Senate on September 12, 2001. He did not go the day after 9-11. It's just at an absolute lie. But they didn't include that one because that is— Well, and I laugh because they put it at the bottom of the screen on the ticker, but they didn't mention it in their comments. They're like, well, it was like the pretext. It was like, let's not mention that one because I think that makes too many Americans angry that you would place yourself at the at ground zero the day after 9-11. So we'll just put it at the bottom of the screen, but we won't even talk about it with our words. And most significantly, they do not include his repeated lies about his corruption with his son, Hunter Biden. They don't include the lie, I've never spoken with my son about his overseas business dealings. That's now demonstrably false. Even the White House has backed away from it, but far be it from CNN to admit that that's a lie because that actually, that goes to their conceit. No evidence, no evidence, no evidence. There's no evidence, no direct evidence. We obviously had an entire podcast explaining what they mean when they say no, no direct evidence and, 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 that, and why they're lying. So they don't include the most consequential and significant ones. And I got to say, for those of you that are watching this on YouTube, this is one of our three uh, pods a week that is both on YouTube and on audio. You can see the, the images they put up and they have a whole series of clips of Joe Biden. Every one of them, he's smiling. Yeah. 
They're and all he, good. He looks like a genial grandfather. So he's a liar, but he's just like an old He's just dude having fun. He's just trying just, to entertain you, know, you. I mean, who else hasn't claimed they were at ground zero after 9-11 when they weren't? That's just what really old genial Uncle Joes do. So CNN is starting to criticize him, but they're so bad at it. Yeah. They're so used to being the Praetorian Guard protecting him that they can't really bring themselves to do it. That being said, look, this, this, the Washington Post flipping on him, CNN flipping on him, this is significant. And I think the Democrat intelligentsia is getting nervous. And Ben, I believe there is now a real possibility Joe Biden is not the Democrat nominee in 2024. And I think there are two ways this potentially plays out. One way is the pressure ratchets up internally within the Democrat Party significantly enough that Biden ends up backing out. I think there's some chance of that. He didn't want to. But I got to say, the weird thing about Democrats, they're command and control. They are collectivists. And if enough of the power brokers go to Biden and say enough is enough is enough, I think there is some possibility, he says, I'm out. I did what I came to do. I stopped Donald Trump from getting in office in 2021. I'm done. I'm riding off into the sunset. That's actually what David Ignatius says. Yeah. Look, you can victory lap. You did what you, you, you wanted to do. And by the way, one of the things fueling that is the unease about Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris's numbers, her poll support is terrible. Her unfavorables are terrible. Worse I, than his, and his poll numbers, to be clear, are at Jimmy Carter levels yeah, or below. 38, 39 percent yeah. approval ratings, and hers are worse. It, In the twenties, it, it makes you wonder if she wears mint-flavored shoes because daily she seems to stick her <laughs> foot in her mouth. And Democrats are nervous. Look, Joe Biden is eighty years old. If Biden is elected in twenty twenty four. The actuarial tables are very significant. The odds are high that he does not live out a second term, that he dies sometime in the White House. That's just the realities of the age he's at, which means in this next election, if the Democrat ticket is Biden-Harris, a huge part of it is going to be you pull that lever for Joe Biden, you are voting for President Kamala Harris. And, and that, number one, scares the heck, I think, out of a lot of voters. But number two, makes Democrat ner Democrats nervous because they recognize it scares the heck out of a lot of voters. Now, you asked, okay, might they dump Kamala Harris as VP? I think the chances of that are zero. Is it for the same reason that I think it's probably zero? And that is if it was a white male, they'd have a much easier time getting rid of that person. But this is an African-American female. How do you offload an African-American female without having to worry that women are going to turn against you? Yeah. And minorities would turn against you saying, how dare you get rid of our woman who could be the first female president in the history of the United States of America, could be Kamala Harris, not because anyone elects her, just because of age and him having to resign or based on age that he could die in office. So, yes, and especially because the Democrats are such hyper bean counting, they put everyone into categories. So they don't think of you as a human being. They think of you... You, you, you are a man, you are a white man, you are a black woman, like whatever your race, whatever your category, ideally you're a transgender, you know, vegetarian pantheist or whatever. 
but whatever your category, they put you into it. If it were some poor schlub white guy, if the VP were Joe Biden, see ya. They'd put him out on a boat <laughs> with a guy saying Hail Mary as he puts a round in his forehead as they do in Godfather 2. That's what they do, and I mean that figuratively. I can just see the fact checkers now. Cruz says they're going to murder him. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they'd get rid of him and get rid of him really quickly. I don't think the Democrats would be willing to dump Kamala Harris because they view African-American women as such an essential part of their political coalition to victory that I think they'd be terrified of pissing off black women. And if African-American women stayed home, Democrats lose. Yeah. So I, I don't think they can dump Kamala Harris as much as, as the Washington Post columnists might want them to. So there are two scenarios in which Joe Biden is not the nominee, I believe. Number one, the powers that be in the Democrat Party convince Joe Biden to pull out. If that happens, I think it's a free-for-all. I think a bunch of people get in. I think the top four Democrats who get in are Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, Gavin Newsom, and Elizabeth Warren. And I think all four of them get in. I think Gretchen Whitmer probably gets in as well. I think there are some others that get in. I think you probably get five to ten candidates who jump in the instant Biden is out. Now, in my view, the top tier are the first four I listed. And I think in that primary, I believe Elizabeth Warren wins that primary. And, and, really? and, and when I say that, that shocks people. I get a lot of gasps. But, but Add I think, me to that group right now because that was not the, what I thought you were going to say. Why Elizabeth Warren out of all of them? I mean, she has Pocahontas for a reason. Because I think Elizabeth Warren is the id of today's Democrat Party. She is the hard left, angry Marxist, and that is where the heart is. Look, it's Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and AOC yeah. that drive the Democrat policy agenda right now because the entire party is terrified of her. In 2020, Elizabeth Warren was splitting the crazy moonbat Marxist left with Bernie Sanders. Yeah. And the two of them were dividing that vote, which is what let Joe Biden win that primary. I don't think Bernie runs this time. I think he will recognize he's too old to run this time. And so I think Elizabeth has the, the crazy left-winger lane all to herself, and I think that beats the rest of that field. That's scenario one. Elizabeth Warren comes out of a wide-open, real Democrat primary. Now, thing about it is you're, you're running out of time, so, so I'll give you some, some deadlines. October 16th is the filing deadline for major party candidates in Nevada. November 10th is the filing deadline for major, major party candidates in Alabama. November 14th is the filing deadline for major party candidates in Arkansas. So we're starting to get to filing deadlines where it becomes exceedingly difficult to get on the ballot. And so if this scenario happens, it has to happen fast. It has was to just, happen. That, that was my question, the timeline. If Joe Biden's going to, if he's going to be pushed out, forced out, because it's not going to be on his own accord. Next 60 days. Next 60 days. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, we, we've got to. So then, then here's my question. Do we see the media change the way they're covering the Biden crime family over the next 60 days as part of the final push to get him to realize he can't run? I, I think that is entirely possible. I think Washington Post and CNN are sort of the opening shots. 
And if we see in the next couple of weeks, if we see the media actually covering all of Biden's enormous problems, that's the pressure mounting. There's a second scenario. And this scenario, I think, is more likely and a heck of a lot more dangerous, which is fast forward to next year. Fast forward to the Democrat National Convention. It's going to be in Chicago, Illinois. And it is August 19th through 22nd. If we get to August of next year, and number one, Biden's mental diminishment has gotten even worse and it becomes obvious to anyone that he can't find his shoes. And Democrats decide, okay, all of this downside is really worrying us. Then the convention is the opportunity to parachute someone in. You parachute someone in by having some, some story that for health reasons, Biden's not able to continue. How the Democrats execute that exactly, I don't know, but the Democrats are very big on smoke-filled rooms and forcing through the outcome they want, and they obey orders. Um, now, if you're a Democrat poobah, and by the way, the Democrats also have what are called superdelegates. Republicans don't have superdelegates. Superdelegates are typically elected officials that have disproportionate power at their convention. They have the ability to really move the votes. If you get to the August convention for Democrats and they've collectively lost their nerve on Biden, said it's time to put Joe out to pasture, what do they do then? Well, the natural thing to say would be, okay, it'll be one of those top four, and here's the problem. Whoever they pick is a problem. If they pick Kamala Harris, she's the vice president in some ways, the natural choice. All of the downsides of Kamala Harris make that a really dangerous choice. Uh, if they pick... Gavin Newsom, uh, that makes some California Democrats happy. The problem is you're replacing an African-American woman in the Democrat Party with a white guy. That, a rich white guy. A very rich white guy. You want to talk about a recipe for discontent, that's a big problem. Uh, they could go with Pete Buttigieg, another white guy, but Buttigieg is gay. That's at least the gay lesbian community is a big chunk of the Democrat coalition. That'll fit in very well it, as well. It, so rich liberals would really like Pete Buttigieg. And a lot of the Democrat donors are gay and lesbian. That's a major chunk of the funding stream for a Democrat candidate. But you have the same problem. If you jettison an African-American woman who's vice president for a white guy in the Democrat party, primary, you're really asking for trouble. And option four is, is Elizabeth Warren. Well, Elizabeth Warren makes the crazy moonbat leftists happy. Yeah. But you have the same, everyone else who doesn't get it, I think anyone they go with as a coronation, it's different than an open primary where Warren wins because primary voters vote for. That gives an element of legitimacy that the people who don't win can live with. Yeah. If it's just the kingmaker saying, nope, we pick you, whoever doesn't get picked, everyone else is pissed. So here's the scenario that I think is perhaps most likely and most dangerous. In August of 2024, the Democrat kingmakers jettison Joe Biden and parachute in Michelle Obama. And I want you to pause and reflect on oh, that. Oh, I'm pausing and I'm reflecting as we said, and so is everybody else listening right now. I view this as a very serious danger. 
I'm smiling right now because it terrifies me, and I also could totally see this happening. So, Michelle Obama, number one, you don't infuriate African-American women, which is a critical part of the constituency that Democrats are relying on to win. But number two, you avoid the problem. If you pick from any of the four, the other three are pissed because they're all, to some extent, peers, they're rivals, they're all jabbing knives at each other. Michelle Obama, because she was first lady, has the ability to kind of parachute in above all four and say, hey, we're not picking among any of you. You guys can all fight it out next time. You're all going to be on the same level. We're coming. This is the Obamas saving the day. And I think in terms of a solution that unifies Democrats, there ain't nothing like that. I also think Michelle is not all that eager to run for president. But to parachute in in August of 24, a couple of months before the presidency, and suddenly wake up and be president? Not a bad, not a bad gig. It's not a bad gig at all. Now, would she do it? I don't know. I, I do, I've, I've met Michelle, but I don't know her personally in any meaningful way. I don't know if she would do it. I do think Barack Obama is already running the Biden administration. I think he is already the puppet master behind this Biden White House. I don't think Joe Biden is the decision maker. And so when I see the media turning on Joe Biden right now, I think the odds of Michelle Obama parachuting in in August of 2024 have risen dramatically, and that ought to scare the hell out of anyone who... who is unhappy about the direction this country is going and doesn't want us to go even crazier in an even worse direction. I want to tell you about our friends at Patriot Mobile. If you are tired of giving your money to woke corporations that are actually fighting against what you believe in, there's one bill every month that you pay that can actually now make a difference standing up for what you believe in, and that's your cell phone. Patriot Mobile has been around now for over a decade, and they are the only conservative Christian cell phone provider in the country, and when you pay your bill every month, they are actually fighting for the causes that you believe in. We're talking about standing with the First and Second Amendment issues, protecting the rights of unborn children, helping with adoptions, and they help with our first responders, our American veterans, those that serve this country. I love Patriot Mobile because they actually stand up for what I believe in. Now, the coverage you get is amazing because they give you coverage on all three major networks, and you usually save money over what you're paying right now. So whether you have a business or a small business or just a family plan, call them. 100% USA-based call center. So you're talking to people right here in this country. 878-PATRIOT's the number. That's 878-PATRIOT or patriotmobile.com slash verdict. Now use the promo code VERDICT and you're going to get free activation in the best deals of the year. Keep your same cell phone number you have right now, your same cell phone, or upgrade to a new one. 878-PATRIOT or patriotmobile.com slash verdict. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I got to ask you one more question about this scenario with Michelle. If that was to happen at the convention as you just described it, and Joe Biden walks off the stage, does he turn himself into the biggest hero of the Democratic Party in history? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no. They, they immediately start carving him on Rushmore, figuratively speaking. The Rushmore of socialists, Joe Biden would permanently— Look, he aspires to be the next FDR, and part of how Democrats would get him to step down is saying, by doing this— your FDR, by doing this, you're George Washington stepping down after two terms. You're demonstrating the ultimate statesman principle. Now, look, I think Joe Biden loves the trappings of being president. This guy's wanted to be president Forever. since he was two. And, and to be clear, I, I understand that particular sickness. <laughs> uh, my, my hands are not clean yeah. uh, in that discussion. But so I get it. But I do think the Democrats appeal to his vanity that you will be legendary and immortal if you do this, and, and that may be an element of making it happen. And I, I don't think it is more likely than not, I don't think it's greater than 50% that Biden is not the nominee, but I think it's probably 25 or 30% right now. It's interesting that you said that about Michelle because I was doing my podcast the night after Michelle Obama was talking with Billie Jean King about equal pay, and she did the speech at the U.S. Open in prime time. And I said the next day, not thinking about the connection you're talking about here, I said it was like it was almost like a coming out political speech. It was the first time I saw Michelle Obama in a political way. Yep. It wasn't a first lady speech. It was a political ass speech. It was her in her own words, not under my husband, first lady esque. And if you think about that now with what you just said, that's scary as hell. And by the way, this is not a new thought for Democrats. No. You had Bill Clinton who served two terms, and then obviously Hillary was presumed to be the heir apparent. And so the dynamic from Barack to Michelle, listen, the, the Democrats are dynastic. The Democrats are top-down. The Democrats are command and control. And it's because Michelle has a claim to already being at a higher level in the Democrat pecking order than any of the other contenders. It's the only solution for Democrat power brokers that doesn't cause a civil war. Yeah, and it comes with the best political campaigner in the Democratic Party, her husband. Plus, look, Michelle spent eight years as first lady. First lady is a position that by design keeps you out of the political fray. And so Michelle Obama has really high positives and relatively low negatives. negatives. Now, she starts getting into policy. I think she is further left 
than Barack. I think she is further left than Joe Biden. I think as a president, she would be disastrous. But the American people think fondly of her because she's first lady. The, the, The role of first lady insulates someone. And if she parachutes in in August with big positives and relatively low negatives, and she can also say, hey, all the things Joe Biden screwed up on, that wasn't me. Yeah. That is really potent politically. If I were a Democrat, I'd be excited about that. There's also something else that happened this week with a Democratic primary that was shocking to me. Uh, you've had people that made threats against you. Yep. You've run for president of the United States of America. Uh, I've experienced having people threaten against me as well. It's not a good feeling. Uh, you look at the Kennedy family and the fact that they've had assassinations and targeting and, and RFK has made it clear he wants protection. There was something shocking that happened this week with a man that was dressed like law enforcement. Thank goodness they saw him. They figured it out. There were certain things he was wearing in his outfit, the way where his gun was being held on his person that didn't fit law enforcement, and he was arrested. But you were upset about this, I think, as you should be, because why have they still not decided to protect RFK and what's taking them so long, especially when you see things like this happen? Yeah, this was a really disturbing security incident. You had someone show up at an event for RFK Jr. He had two firearms and two shoulder holsters that he was wearing. He was dressed as law enforcement, and it was fraudulent. He was dressed with a lanyard that indicated he was a U.S. Marshal. He was trying to camouflage. He told people he was part of RFK's security detail. Thankfully, the private security that RFK hired, recognized that he wasn't, and they detained and arrested him. But someone coming in with two loaded firearms and extra magazines uh, impersonating law enforcement is on its face exceptionally dangerous. Now, RFK put out the following statement. We're going to put it up on the screen. Here's what RFK said. I'm very grateful that alert and fast-acting protectors from Gavin DeBecker and Associates, his private security firm, spotted and detained an armed man who attempted to approach me at my Hispanic Heritage speech at the Wilshire Ebel Theater in Los Angeles tonight. The man wearing two shoulder holsters with loaded pistols and spare ammunition magazines was carrying a U.S. Marshal badge on a lanyard and a belt clip federal ID. He identified himself as a member of my security detail. Armed GDBA team members moved quickly to isolate and detain the man until LAPD arrived to make the arrest. I'm also grateful to LAPD for its rapid response. And then this is in bold in his tweet. I'm still entertaining a hope that President Biden will allow me Secret Service protection. I'm the first presidential candidate in history to whom the White House has denied a request for protection. Now, can you explain the politics of that real quick so people don't understand how this works? Yeah, let me do that. And the way I'm going to do that, I want to put up, I retweeted this, and I retweeted it with my own comment. So let's put up what I tweeted. I retweeted RFK's statement, and here's what I said. This isn't a left or right issue. The Biden administration should give Robert Kennedy Jr. a security detail now. Given his tragic family history, both his father and uncle were horrifically assassinated. And this latest serious security incident, Biden shouldn't mess around. Under law, quote, major candidates are entitled to Secret Service protection. 
is Mayorkas' decision not to grant protection political? Surely, this administration wouldn't put a man's life at risk rather than concede that RFK Jr. is a major candidate. The Trump DHS gave Biden protection in March of 2020 after a security incident. Mayorkas should follow that precedent and expeditiously approve protection for RFK Jr. Now, the way it works under law is that a candidate for president is entitled to Secret Service protection if they are a, quote, major candidate. And being a major candidate, there are a series of criteria that are used to ascertain major candidate, including poll numbers. It is the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security that makes that determination. They do so in consultation with a bipartisan advisory committee that includes both Republicans and Democrats. At the easy level, the major party nominees, both are entitled to coverage and they both get it. But historically, they get it earlier than becoming the nominees. If you look at 2016, so, so I've got some real and personal experience with dealing with this. In 2016, in the Republican presidential primary, Donald Trump was given Secret Service protection relatively early on. And Ben Carson was given Secret Service protection relatively early on. Now, yeah. Ben Carson did not win a single state. Ben Carson was given Secret Service protection because the level of death threats that were directed at him was deemed sufficient that it merited Secret Service protection. I don't know exactly how many death threats we're talking about, but the Department of Homeland Security made the determination, given this threat level, given the risk that some lunatic would try to kill an African-American Republican running for president, we're going to provide Secret Service protection. Now, as the primary went on, I won 12 states. For months, the race was essentially a two-man race between me and Donald Trump. No other Republican other than Trump and I won more than a single state. So John Kasich won Ohio. Yeah. Marco Rubio won Minnesota. And Trump and I won the other 48 states. And, and at the time that I dropped out, I had won 12 and he had won something like 22, 23 states. So he'd won about twice as many states. That's when I dropped out. So for months earlier, I easily met the standard for a major candidate. And had I requested Secret Service protection, I almost certainly would have received it because under any objective measure, I met it. In 2016, I made the decision not to ask for it. We talked about it in our campaign. Why? Because when Secret Service comes into the campaign, they slow everything down. They come in, they take over all the security, they set up magnetometers. They set up metal detectors in the front of the events. That means people coming to your events often will have to wait one, two, three hours in line. Um, it slows the operation down. Once you bring Secret Service in, typically a candidate will do maybe two or three events a day because it just slows the entire operation down. In 2016, we were running fast and hard. I was doing in days six, seven, eight, nine events a day. I mean, we were going fast. And I didn't want... Pump the brakes. To pump the brakes. I didn't want to slow it down. So we took security very seriously. So I hired private security. And we had significant private security, but I would do something at the end of most events. I'd jump off the front of the stage and I'd plow into the crowd. 
and I'd be hugging people, I'd be taking pictures, I'd be talking to kids. I remember. Secret Service would never let you do that. They would They'd put freak the barrier out. up and you, you right. stay on the other side. And so we made the decision that we wanted to be faster and more nimble and that bringing Secret Service in would slow that down. And we also made the decision that we had a pretty significant investment in security and that we thought we could use private security to ensure safety while at the same time maintaining speed. In this instance, you've got RFK Jr. Number one, you've got his unique personal story. His father was murdered while running for president of the United States. Bobby Kennedy murdered as a candidate for the Democratic nominee for president. And before that, his uncle, John F. Kennedy, was murdered while being president of the United States. Given that history and given people are just nuts. Look at this guy. Yeah, copycats and crazies. Look, I think it is a no-brainer that if RFK Jr. wants Secret Service protection, given his circumstances, he deserves it. And the reason I believe the Biden administration hasn't granted it is because if they did, under statutes, they would have to say he's a major candidate. And, And the approach of the Biden White House is, RFK who? We never heard of him. Nope, nope, nobody running. Nobody in the Democrat primary. It doesn't exist. This is a coronation. Joe's down in the basement. And, and I think it is purely political. And, and I ask everyone listening to this, imagine your reaction if you turned on the TV tomorrow and saw that RFK Jr., like his father, was murdered while being a candidate for the Democrat nomination for president. Imagine the horror. How do you justify the Biden administration saying, nope, politics matters more to us, so good luck to you. Hope nothing happens. This should not be. Look, I'm not voting for RFK Jr. Yeah, but you should, if you're running for president, you should be safe while doing so. This is the right thing to do. And whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, this ought to be an easy choice. And the Biden White House ought to get their political heads out of their rear ends and do the right thing. Listen, they feel confident they can beat RFK Jr. Fine, if they're confident, then do the right thing and ensure that he's got Secret Service protection so we don't have a national tragedy on our hands. I want to tell you about Augusta Precious Metals. If you are worried about your retirement, if you've seen what's happened with interest rates, Hitting a 21-year high, for example, on houses. You've seen some of the bank failures that we had earlier this year. And you lost money maybe last year in your retirement account. You should take a look at our friends at Augusta Precious Metals. At Augusta Precious Metals, they have one goal, and that is to protect your assets by diversifying your funds using gold as part of that plan. Now, they do something that's really different. Not only will they send you their free investor guide on gold, but they do a one-on-one web conference, a web conference that I've actually done with them, where they answer all of your questions. They take a look at what your strategy is now. They take a look at what you've saved. They take a look at your earning potential if you're still working or in retirement, how much money you need in that retirement and how to protect it. Then they'll talk to you about if gold is right for you or not. That's why I love them. If you've never checked out Augusta Precious Metals, do it. Call them, 877, the number four, Gold IRA. Get the free investor's guide on gold, but then do the web conference for free. And get the peace of mind of knowing that you're protecting your hard-earned dollars. Remember, 
If you're in retirement or close to retirement, there's no time to make up losses. That's why you want to preserve what you already have. 877, the number four, gold IRA. That's 877, the number four, gold IRA. Or online, Augusta Precious Metals. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Use the promo code VERDICT. Senator, I also want to move on to something else that happened this week, and this one actually makes me really angry. Yeah. It's judges getting involved in a way that I think is pretty clear. It's election interference. We've seen court dates that have come out now for Donald Trump with all these different indictments in different states. It could be like the days before Super Tuesday when any normal candidate would be on the campaign trail. You just mentioned why you guys didn't do Secret Service. That's how important it is to be, to, yeah. to be fast. And to actually to, be campaigning. Right, to be campaigning. We're seeing two things now that seem to be marking the calendar. One, you could throw this guy in a courtroom during dates when he desperately needs to be out campaigning, taking away his ability to have a fair election against Joe Biden or whoever it may be. And and two, now you may take away the president, former president of the United States of America, and the leading candidate for the Republican Party's voice to talk about the accusations against him from these the leftists and these people, these DAs are trying to lock him up by putting a gag order on what he can say. This seems un-American. It seems banana republic-esque. Uh, I think it's disgusting political ploy here, yet that's what we're really talking about now is that real possibility. Look, you're exactly right. We, we have talked at length on this podcast about how the multiple indictments against Donald Trump are election interference. Democrats have convinced themselves that Donald Trump is Adolf Hitler. And because they believe he's Hitler, anything, anything, anything is justified to stop him. The ends justify the means. And they're willing to corrupt the legal process to turn the Department of Justice into a political weapon. They're willing to do everything they can to stop the voters from daring to make a decision to vote in the way these angry partisan Democrats don't want the voters to vote. We've gone over 200 years of our nation's history. We've never indicted a president or a former president or a major candidate for president. In the last six months, Democrats have done so four separate times. The U.S. Department of Justice under Biden is the most partisan and political we've ever seen. And Jack Smith, the special prosecutor, we've talked at length. He is a partisan. He has a history of abusing power, including this is not the first presidential candidate or potential presidential candidate he's gone after. He went after Bob McDonald. The governor of Virginia was considered a credible presidential candidate. Jack Smith indicted him, destroyed his political career, destroyed his life. And then on appeal, the Supreme Court unanimously threw out the conviction as not being consistent with law, but he'd already done its job. He took is, him out. He took him out. In this instance, the case in the District of Columbia is profoundly dangerous. It's profoundly dangerous because, number one, the jury pool in the District of Columbia is over 90%, about 94% Democrat. So you're going to get a jury that in all likelihood hates Donald Trump and believes he's Adolf Hitler. Now... If you believe someone's Adolf Hitler, you're that's, victim. that's not a hard guilty for whatever the crime is. Yeah, it's just you hate if him. If it's Adolf Hitler, yeah. the, Turn the book is at guilty. Him and yes. We also have a district judge who has demonstrated and earned a reputation as being one of the furthest left Democrat district judges on the federal bench in D.C. who is presiding. This trial is designed to directly interfere with the election, but Jack Smith said this is not enough. And so he filed a motion, a motion for a gag order. So he's gone to this left-wing district judge, and he's asked for a gag order 
He says defendant has repeatedly and widely disseminated public statements attacking the citizens of the District of Columbia. That's by daring to point out that 94% of D.C. voters vote Democrat, and that's going to be the jury pool. The court, that's by pointing out that the judge has a record of being one of the most left-wing Democrats on the entire federal bench. Prosecutors, that's by pointing out that Jack Smith is a hardcore partisan Democrat who's already abused his power repeatedly. And prospective witnesses. The government, therefore, requests that the court, quote, enter a narrowly tailored order pursuant to local criminal rule 57C that restricts certain prejudicial extrajudicial statements. And in particular, what they ask for, the government seeks, this is a quote, a narrow, well-defined restriction that is targeted at extrajudicial statements that present a serious and substantial danger of materially prejudicing the case. The government's proposed order specifies that such statements would include A, statements regarding the identity, testimony, or credibility of prospective witnesses, and B, statements about any party, witness, attorney, court personnel, or potential jurors that are disparaging and inflammatory or intimidating. Now, let's be clear. Who do they mean by potential witnesses? They mean people like Bill Barr. Yep. And they mean people like Mike Pence. So Mike Pence is literally running against Donald Trump right now for the Republican nomination for president. And you have the Biden Department of Justice asking a federal judge, issue an order that Donald Trump cannot say a critical word. Of Mike Pence. About one of his opponents in the primary. Like, Holy crap. If this doesn't piss you off, you're not paying attention. I mean, it is truly breathtaking. You want to understand why this is election interference. DOJ believes the federal court can order one political candidate. You're not allowed to criticize your opponent. Just just don't say a word. Don't say a word at all. In, despite the fact that you're facing a political persecution designed to interfere with the election, you're not allowed to say it. And if you do, by the way, look, a gag order is typically enforced by contempt and by jail. So what the Biden DOJ is proposing is if Donald Trump says a negative word about Mike Pence, that the U.S. Department of Justice will show up and arrest him and put him in jail for saying a negative word about one of his opponents running for president. And by the way, they would do that. Let's be clear. They would love to arrest him again. That's what they want and to keep him in jail. This is election interference. It is wildly unconstitutional. It is a direct violation of the First Amendment. It is also a direct violation of the right to vote, of our democratic process in this country. Now, the Democrat talking heads will say, look, sometimes you have gag, gag, or, gag orders. If you're going against the, a mafia boss, you're going up against Al Capone, courts will enter orders saying, okay, you can't, you can't intimidate witnesses. You can't you can't say things that will prejudice the jury. You're right. In an ordinary criminal trial, those things can happen. In an ordinary criminal trial, the defendant is not a leading candidate for president of the United States, actively running for president of the United States. And my guess, I don't think the district court will grant this. I don't know that. I don't know this judge at all. I've never met her. Her record demonstrates she's left wing, but I think if the district court granted this order, 
it would be exceptionally foolish. Why? Because the order would be appealed and it would be overturned on appeal. I do not believe there's any way the Supreme Court of the United States would allow a leading candidate for president to be enjoined, to be ordered from a court. You are not allowed to criticize your political opponents. I mean, if you could envision, imagine a debate. Let's We have a subsequent Republican debate. Trump shows up and Mike Pence blasts him and Trump turns and says, I'm sorry, I'm prevented by court order from responding, from responding to you. Yeah, from defending like, myself. That is not free speech. That is not democracy. That is not how our system operates. And, and that's election interference. Exactly. Uh, perfect it, example it, it, it of what election is. Yeah. encapsulates. And by the way, that's what they want, actually. What they want, look, they know in that circumstance, Donald Trump could not restrain himself. Sure, and then they would arrest him. And then they would arrest him. I mean, I mean, you can almost envision the jackbooted thugs sitting by the side of the debate, and as Trump blasts his opponents, and he'll blast all his opponents because that's what he does, you can almost envision them walking out in the middle of the debate and saying, sir, you're under arrest. If that is not election interference, holy cow, it really shows just how extreme the Democrats have gotten. This is horrific. By the way, let's be clear. I would be every bit as opposed to an order preventing Joe Biden from criticizing his opponents, from criticizing RFK Jr., from criticizing Donald Trump. Now, to be clear, Joe Biden couldn't get up in the morning and speak without criticizing Donald Trump. He says, good morning, Trump is the devil. That's just how yeah. he addresses it. And he also demonizes every other Republican because he's in his mental enfeeblement. He's also become an even more vicious partisan. I would be equally and animately opposed to any court trying to prevent Joe Biden from attacking me or Trump or anybody else because that's what free speech and elections are all about. But today's Democrats, they don't believe in democracy, which is why these indictments are happening. They want to stop the voters from voting in a way they don't like. And they don't believe in free speech, which is why they want to muzzle their leading opponent for president. It is... Uh, it's a brave new world we're living in. It certainly is. Don't forget we do the show three days a week, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Make sure you hit that subscribe, follow, or auto-download button, depending on where you're listening to this podcast. Uh, and also, we have a new podcast on Saturdays that is some of the segments you may have missed during the week that we put together in a weekend review. So make sure you listen to that. And on the days in between, join me on my podcast, the Ben Ferguson Podcast, and I'll keep you up to date on the biggest breaking news on those days in between. We'll see you back here again real soon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.